Welcome to the You Are Not A Frog summer replays. Over the summer, I've decided to smoke what I'm selling and take a proper break. So I'm re-releasing some of our earlier podcast episodes, and I think they're perfect for a listen to help you reflect and reset before a busy autumn. We'll post links to the original show notes site where you can find out more. So please take some time to look after you this summer. And we'll be back and raring to go in September with loads of new guests and some old favourites. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options. Stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. So it's brilliant to have with me back on the podcast, Dr. Giles Peacroft. Hi, Giles. Hi, How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Giles, do you want to introduce yourself for those people that haven't already heard you? Yeah, a former surgeon and psychology graduate, uh, left a f- well, what 15 or so years ago, health informatics for a while, came back into the healing profession as a coach and, yeah, you know, work with people on health and happiness these days. That's great. Thank you. And Giles was on a, a quite a recent podcast, actually, really popular called Default to Happy, all about how actually you believe that our natural human resting state is peace. Is that right? Indeed. Yeah, I think, you know, we've got it all going for us and no one's told us. Well, everyone's, you know, we'll get to it today about what everyone's telling us, won't we? But we're kind of immersed in a world of beliefs and advertising and messages that we're not good enough and we're not enough and we need more and the reality is is that we're a very very successful species and we've been around for a very long time and we're doing just fine thanks so just remember that any of you who thinks i'm not doing okay actually you probably you're probably doing better than you think you are it's just other things have got on top of that and you know so that was the whole message of default to happy it's about learning to shed all those expectations of ourselves and the thinking patterns that are causing us distress right yeah yeah and i mean the big takeaway from it was really understanding where our feelings are coming from we're kind of laboring under the mass misapprehension that our feelings come from our circumstances whereas the reality is is that our feelings come from thought and seeing that clearly allows a whole load of beliefs and stories that we're telling ourselves that we're not even really aware are kind of like running our program for us a load of that conditioning just dissolves so and we relax back into this default state of peace of mind and clarity and connection 
Great. So we're going to be talking about a particular part of that programming today that, that's running for a lot of us. And before we go on, I just need to warn everyone, we have an alarm engineer in our house at the moment testing our burger alarm, which is perfect when you're trying to record a podcast, isn't it? So please forgive any random beeps and alarms going off. We're perfectly safe. It's just, it's all being tested. So just, just to let you know, so I don't have to edit out all the beeps and alarms in the podcast. The reason why we're doing this particular podcast is that Giles popped something on Facebook in the summer, which I thought was very interesting and led me to a bit of a path of exploration. Giles, what was that post that you put on Facebook? It was called Abstainiversary. Um, and it suddenly occurred to me, I mean, I won't say that I hadn't noticed at all over, over the course of the year, but like I hadn't drunk any alcohol for a year. And I didn't even notice that, that that year had passed by. So actually, I think I put the post up sort of like one year and five days after I'd given up alcohol. And the reason I put it out there was because it happened without effort. And it happened in a way that was so not something that I could have conceived of before it did happen. And so really, it was uh, I wanted people to see that these kinds of changes, changes of heart change in perspective change in behavior are very possible because before that you know i think in the post i said if you'd sat me down a year and six days ago and said to me you're going to stop drinking entirely i honestly wouldn't have believed you i just i'd I'd have you know sorry no you've you've got the wrong bloke (laughs) and for me that was the thing that I noticed in that Facebook post, not was the year of not drinking, because plenty of people abstain from alcohol and give up from alcohol. But it was the fact that you'd been drinking beforehand, but you'd had a year of not drinking and you didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't care. Because for a lot of people, we can abstain from alcohol and you have sort of stopped over, don't you? And whether it's alcohol or cigarettes, but you have this sort of January, dry January and all that. But people really notice and then they can't wait for February to come around and then they're they're craving alcohol again. Mm. So for me, I was like, wow, how is that when he can't notice? Because at the time, you know, I was thinking, actually, I would really miss it if I gave up, you know, my glass of wine on a Friday night or whatever. So that got me quite interested. And in the post, you recommend a, a particular book that helps. And we'll talk about that book in a minute. But firstly, let's just talk about, is there a problem? right is there a problem because i think this is where we need to start and you know i'm a doctor you're a doctor mm. i think it'd be fair to say that alcohol was part of our lives for or has been or is part of our lives because that's socially medical school was <laughs> very alcohol heavy <laughs> and then you know in certainly in sort of the uk a lot of the culture that we live in is based around alcohol and yeah. that's socially you go out to a dinner party you drink you have friends around for drinks you have drinks at christmas it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of it is based around alcohol so do doctors generally have a problem or is this podcast not just doctors you've got other professionals in high stress jobs so do doctors lawyers accountants you know people in other professional organizations do we generally have a problem or is it actually fine I think it's it's that we've not really questioned it all that much. Mm. We kind of, because, you know, when you said about what struck you about the post that I hadn't noticed, I had been through those periods of abstinence before because I'd usually get to a point where, you know, 
I was drinking pretty much every day, not huge amounts, but it was just a regular habit that I'd got into. And like you say, isn't it amazing? Oh, I'm feeling really good. Something good's happened. Let's have some alcohol. Oh, I'm feeling really bad. Something bad's happened. Let's have some alcohol. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And I think that that's what we don't really question is the fact that it's, and you know, after, after reading this book and you know, one of the things that she recommends is, you know, just notice whenever you see an advert or a poster or anything that's related to alcohol and once my eyes had been opened up to that that was I mean that was like oh wow yeah no we really are we're absolutely battered with images of alcohol all the time so yeah I don't think we notice but we might you know for health reasons for me I you know I just get sick of the routine I get sick of you know, just waking up a bit fuzzy every day or having to get up in the night to go to the loo, waking up a bit dehydrated. And I'd just be like, all right, you know, we all know it's good to have time off from alcohol. I'll abstain for a bit. And those periods of abstinence would range from anything between after, obviously after I checked the calendar to make sure that there was no (laughs) important events coming up. (laughs) It's like, when can I schedule in this, this not drinking? But yeah, like you say, I'd do that and I'd have no problem with it. And, you know, I think maybe one thing for people to take away is that if they have had a period of abstinence, is to just notice how completely okay you are with that. Like, I was always okay with it. Now, yeah, getting towards the end, because I'd created this as a kind of a a rule of sorts, a little made-up rule, well, it's going to be four weeks or it's always going to be six weeks or it's going to be two months or whatever. Then towards the end of that, that's when I'd start, thinking oh it's that oh that first sip of beer is going to be it's going to be really nice and then you know the next thing you know you're back to where you were again (laughs) that's that's interesting we're not talking here about somebody who's addicted to alcohol either although in the book she there's a lot of claims we're going to talk about in a minute that she Mm. thinks everybody is addicted in in some way shape or form but it's just normal regular drinking presumably you weren't drinking over the limit well, I was probably drinking more than the recommended amount. You know, okay. it was it was, you know, a couple of beers, a couple of can, two or three cans of beer in the evening. You know, mm-hmm. depending on whether it was, uh, well, yeah. I mean, like I say, it's we use any excuse, don't we? We use any excuse at all. Going out for meals, yeah. You know, let's. But there were a few bits in the book that really, <laughs> that really opened up my eyes of of behaviours that we might not be aware of. And I think the one that really hit me was she'd identified that she was that person who, when you go out for a meal with a group, if the waiter or waitress doesn't come over straight away to take drinks orders, they'd be the person. She was the person who'd be up at the bar going, you know, can we order some drinks, please? Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, oh yeah, I do that. <laughs> okay interesting so we talked about the book we better we better talk about it so this is the book it's called the naked mind by uh, annie grace sorry this naked mind by annie grace and um yeah what's the book about giles so like someone recommended it to me ages ago and they're like you know you really should just read it just to increase your awareness of you know of alcohol and i think that's what drew me to it initially was it wasn't a book i mean what does it say on the front control alcohol, control alcohol find, find freedom, freedom discover, discover happiness, happiness and change your life yeah a fairly vanilla kind of uh, description but i think when i got into it all i wanted was a different understanding of alcohol i wanted a different perspective on it i didn't want to give up 
way did I want to give up alcohol? <laughs> you be kidding me. I just wanted a different perspective. And so, and that's the attitude that I went in with. And to her credit, you know, she can write a book and it starts with her telling you, don't, whatever you do, try and change your drinking habits, which was music to my ears. She, I mean, she says at the beginning, you just carry on doing what you're doing. Just carry on doing what you're doing and, re- and read the book. And, you know, it's a book about alcohol and it's a book how we use alcohol. And it's a book about the stories that we tell ourselves about alcohol. And I'm like, oh, I can, I can handle that. I'm a big boy. <laughs> and, but there's, oh, it's, you know, it's fascinating to me because we, we talked a little bit on last podcast, didn't we, about, about behavior change and how habits change. And we've kind of got it in our heads that if we want to change a behavior, then that's kind of on us and it's going to require a lot of efforting and it's going to, it's going to require sacrifices and it's going to require strength of will. And as far as I can tell, that's not the way that behaviors change. I think behaviors change themselves when we get a different perspective on something you know, we're always going to be doing what makes sense. And if it makes sense for us to drink, we'll drink. And no amount of efforting is going to change that. Maybe for a bit, maybe for a period of abstinence, because it makes sense to jump on the bandwagon and not drink for a month. But if we want to see really big changes in our lives, then those come from shifts in perspective. Those come from insights that we have. They come from realizations that we have. And it just so happens that this book is just like an insight factory. It's like, oh, I'd never thought that about alcohol. Oh, 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 well, now she says, oh, my, oh, goodness me. And that's how the change occurs. I know it's really fascinating. She says that the aim of the book is to rewire your brain. As you read it, it will start to rewire your conceptions. And I must say, it, there was some really surprising stuff that really did rewire because she, she starts off with the health risks of yeah. alcohol, which actually we pretty much all know. And it's like you said, if we, you know, we know that alcohol increases rate of heart disease, increases rate of cancer, increases domestic violence, you know, all sorts of incidents, you know, crime would drop. We know that if you have too much, it disturbs your sleep. And even at low levels, even, you know, one or two units, it disturbs your REM sleep. So you're feeling tired and the amount of lost productivity and just feeling a bit fuzzy at the weekend or, you know, so we know the effects of alcohol, right? We don't really need to be preached. So, so she gets that out of the way. But then there are these other deeply held beliefs and misconceptions. And I'm, I'm sure I, I have at one time or another held all of those along the lines of, but I need alcohol to help me relax or fun up. I will have a better time if I can drink alcohol. Because fundamentally, why do we drink it? To have a good time, I think, or to... to ease some pain or another so it will help me just you know forget or or whatever you know all these different things that she says we have just told ourselves for many many years she sort of systematically unpicks all of those (laughs) which one which ones were the really key ones for you there's the one about kind of uh the relaxing uh you know like after a hard day at work and she tells a story of going out with a bunch of work friends afterward. They've had a really stressful day. They sat around at the table in the bar. They've, they've put their drinks orders in. There are no drinks on the table whatsoever. 
and they're all as happy as Larry. Yes. And she's yeah. like, and it just hit me. Oh, hang on a minute. It's not actually the alcohol that's doing this. It's, you know, and again, you know, for me, there's, the, you know, there's two parts to this. There's the understanding the alcohol side of thing, but then there's the understanding the way that our minds work. And, you know, when we have a, a real appreciation that our feelings come from our thoughts, well, that, that situation makes a lot more sense. You know, there's basically a whole load of mates sat around. They know that drinks are coming. They've got that connection in their head somewhere that alcohol is good and alcohol. So there's nothing on the table and they're all having a whale of a time. Yeah. And for me, that was a really powerful story because I guess this is all about, you know, the subliminal things that that we, you know, you link behaviors with states of mind. And I guess for most people, if you're having an alcoholic drink, it means that your day is done. It means that you don't have to go because we would never, never drive when you're drinking, you know, alcohol you never I would never do any work after any alcohol I would never do anything important I probably wouldn't cook after drinking you know 100% signals that a, I'm not working days over and b I'm not I can't do anything <laughs> yes, for, yeah. for, for a while so yeah. have a system and that just feeling a relaxation actually what it is is the fact you're you've finished your day not it's not the alcohol that's providing yeah. that it's actually the situation that's providing that so there's that first one. The other myth that was really imp- interesting. So I'm thinking often, you know, your first drink of the evening, like you said, I'm looking forward to the sip of beer or the, the glass of wine or the gin and tonic. She says often you're quite low blood sugar when you, when you have those drinks. You know, often it's before food and you think, oh, isn't that nice? Often that's just because you've literally, I mean, alcohol <laughs> yeah. gives you a yeah. sugar hit. It's a sugar yeah. hit. And yeah. I, I've thought about that a few times when I've been just getting ready to cook the evening meal. I thought, oh, I just have a glass of wine. I thought, actually, hang on, sugar. Maybe it's just sugar. And I've, I've <laughs> brewed myself some kombucha, you know, that fermented tea drink. Yeah, yeah, and I've yeah. poured myself a glass of that with some fizzy water. And actually that, I thought, after 10 minutes or so, I thought, actually, I'm perfectly happy. I'm perfectly happy with this other drink that I've got. And it's had the same effect, but it hasn't got the alcohol in it. So yeah. that was another myth. I thought, oh, sometimes I'm just hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duh. And the, the other one, the, I was always genuinely puzzled. I was always genuinely puzzled after I'd, after I'd had like a month off booze or something. And that first sip of beer, so like I had my favourite beer. I used to love Cobra beer and I used to love Heineken lager. And I'd be really looking forward to it. And then like the first glass, the first glass tasted really weird. Like it was like... A, if I actually cracked open the beer that I think I've cracked open because it tasted so different. And that has always puzzled me. It was like, how does that work? It, you know, there, there must be something physiological behind that, that this beer doesn't taste like it normally does. It doesn't taste how I remember. And I know that after that first glass, it will go back to tasting how I remember it tasting. And she kind of blows that one out of the water, doesn't she? By just gently pointing out to you, you're drinking poison. Yeah. <laughs> And when I read that, I was like, 
Oh, it's a double yeah. There are quite a few chapters oh. along those lines, aren't there? That alcohol <laughs> quite literally is yeah, a CNS depressant, depressant and a poison. Like, if you drink yeah. too much, you'll die. Yeah. And in nature, <laughs> things that are poisonous don't taste very don't good. Taste good yeah. And so, alcohol actually doesn't taste very nice, which is why yeah. we have to mix it with a nice burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> we have to yeah. add tonic to it, or we have to flavor it to make it palatable, because actually, no one wants to drink alcohol on its own. Yeah, and actually the, <laughs> there is no, no physiological benefit to alcohol. No, none at all. Whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, there's that kind of like medical school joke, isn't there? You know, what's the, what's the reference range for blood alcohol level? Well, it's zero. <laughs> it's like it should be zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so there's that myth that, you know, alcohol does anything good for us. But I think there's some other other things that we do believe in that sort of alcohol makes me oh there goes the alarm (laughs) you can hear oh they're very short (laughs) that's you know the alarm's going off just as i was about to say alcohol makes me happy (laughs) so there's that myth of alcohol makes me happy does it mate and she really looks at that you know when you drink are you genuinely happier so and she did something where she actually recorded herself drinking so she sat down put a video camera on got oh, yeah. a bottle of wine and drank it and talked into yeah. the just said how she was feeling and as yeah. the wine went down she got more and more depressed she yeah. got more and more boring she said she was slowing she thought she was being really articulate when she watched it back the next morning she's like oh my goodness is that how i appear i'm not articulate at all so yes it sort of decreases your inhibitions but actually is it true that you're happier and when you think about some of the consequences that happen you know if you've been a bit unguarded and been a bit tactless or upset someone or you know how many times the next morning have you gone oh did i did I say a little bit too much about that last night or something? Or oh, what did I say? You know, occasionally you might think that, or did I embarrass myself on an, on an office night out or, you know, or actually does alcohol make you happy or does it actually cause you more stress in your life by feeling dreadful and by having to make amends if you have said something that was just a bit tactless or something the next day? Yeah, and you know, life goes on when you sober up. It's not like it's not like you have a drink and then. I mean, there's a great line in it uh, that she says something about if if alcohol made me feel better, then wouldn't I need less of it over time rather than more? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it's just all these like these little logical things. It's like yeah. oh, another one, and it's like it's just like hammer after nail after nail after nail into yeah. every single one of your arguments. But I want to, I just go back to that, you know, d- does alcohol make us happy? Well, what alcohol does is it's a central nervous system depressant. Okay. So what it is good at is depressing our thinking. Yes. It's good. At, it's good at depressing our thinking. And again, when we have an understanding of, of where our felt experience of life comes from, when we see that our felt experience of life comes not from circumstance, but from thought, well, then again, it starts to make a bit more sense. We've all got, you know, there'll be a whole load of people who aren't, who don't, who don't identify with this podcast whatsoever because alcohol's not their thing. Maybe they've got another thing. Maybe the thing that they do to calm down their insecure thinking is to eat. Or mm. maybe their thing that they do is to gamble or to mm. play video games incessantly. Or to binge or, watch Netflix. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And just this simple, this simple seeing 
what all of those things are doing, they're all doing exactly the same thing, which is just taking our thoughts offline for a bit. And we don't need to. We've got that built into us. We settle our, our thinking settles itself when we leave it alone. And when we know that it settles itself, when we know to look for the settling, you know, we're always coming back into balance. We're homeostatic beings. All of our systems are always coming, you know, they're fluctuating around a mean. And our moods and our thinking is, is no exception to that whatsoever. We've got it built in. We've got like a psychological immune system. But when we don't know that, then we go look into the outside world for these other things to essentially do something that we've got built into us. And alcohol just happens to be pretty good at doing that. Well, I think it's the quickest way of taking your thinking offline, isn't it? Down a bottle of wine, your thinking's definitely going to go offline very, very quickly. You're going to go unconscious. (laughs) So I'm intrigued at this because I think it's one thing saying, you know, just take your thinking offline default. Don't use alcohol. Don't use another way of soothing. How do you actually do that? Well, you know, if I were to hold one hand behind my back and offer you one hand and say, pick one, you don't even know what's behind my back. And most people just haven't been pointed to their true nature, which is, you know, like we talked about in the last one, is peace of mind, connection, calm, something that we all experience regularly. We all experience Mm. regularly. We just don't really question it. We don't, we get so caught up in all of this, you know, left brain activity Mm. that's, you know, we evolved hundreds of thousands of years ago for a very good reason, because we were living in caves. And if we weren't vigilant all the time, we wouldn't survive the night, you know, but we're stuck with that now. We're stuck with that left brain activity, constantly seeking, constantly yeah. seeking problems to solve the threats when yeah. life just doesn't have those threats anymore. So it, it creates them. And we identify with that more. Now, if no one's been told that, then again, you're back to one hand behind your back, offering one hand saying, pick one. You don't even know that that's, that you don't even know that that's on offer. And just from my experience of working with people, it doesn't really take very much when people are just gently pointed in that direction for them to have, an, you know, this is what happened with the alcohol with me, to have insights, to have shifts in perspective, to have those, oh, I'd never really thought about it like that. But because what we're talking about here is, as far as I can tell, the way it actually works, then it's, you know, an insight is just bringing us a little bit more in line with how reality actually works. So I guess there are, I mean, I guess everybody probably listening to this podcast can think, actually, there are things I can do that does help take my thinking offline. So I'm thinking, me playing the piano you know or even just going for a walk helps sort of calm things down or you know we've just we've just bought an inflatable hot tub (laughs) sitting in the garden and actually quite a few that you know the other night it was I'm feeling quite stressed quite nice to have a glass of wine but actually no go and sit in the hot tub much better it was great you know there there are things that you can do to try and shift your so when you're in the hot so when you're in the Mm -hmm. hot tub would a glass of wine make that even better Actually, no, I don't think so. Not oh. now I've read this book. Not now I've read the book. Because <laughs> yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd go on holiday and I'd be like somewhere absolutely amazing. And it'd be like, you know what? And, you know, little left brain, habitual left brain. But you know what would make this even better? 
having a beer at the same time. It's like, yeah. what is that all about? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. We are, we're so con- we're so conditioned to it. We're you know, there's another point she makes. You know, is alcohol liquid courage? You know, some people feel that they need it to be in a, a social situation when there's new people, for example, just to loosen up a bit. But again, she completely blows that out of the water by saying what an idiot people are. (laughs) Actually, you go into the social situation wanting people to like you. So what do you do? You'd have something that then turns you into a bit of an idiot because you've depressed your central nervous system. (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And again, for me, I mean, one of the biggest insights I had around the way that my own mind worked was actually in a situation where courage was required where I was up on stage talking to an audience and I was really I was feeling incredibly nervous and I had the insight that you keep having once somebody points you towards it is that oh those feelings of nervousness aren't coming from the audience and they're not coming from what might happen in five minutes time I've got feelings of nervousness because thoughts in this moment is taking a nervous form it's no more complicated than that and it's just feeding back on the and it doesn't have to actually affect what i do or how i behave or anything Mm. as it was you know i just said oh i'm feeling a bit nervous but i know something you don't and that's that my nerves are coming from my thinking they're not coming from you and and they kind of went after that you know once i told Mm. a little tale on myself Mm. so you know drinking for courage again it's exactly the same mechanism yeah we might have a drink before we've got something to do i mean god i hope you know people aren't taking drinks before they go and stand stand up on stage although she does tell that story doesn't she again Mm, she she, used to do that herself didn't she yeah yeah some somebody said to her you know you've lost your you've lost your edge you've lost your edge when you're giving these talks and so she immediately went and had a drink to calm down and then actually realized oh no hang on a minute i've I've lost my edge because i'm drinking before Mm. i go up on stage But when we see that, you know, again, we don't need that, that all that we're doing there is we're having a drink to depress our central nervous system, to calm down some insecure thinking. Well, we don't need to do that. And it's also going to have some side effects too, so that we're going to be stood up on stage slurring. Yeah, looking like an idiot. For me, there's another one here, you know, is alcohol vital to social life? And this is, you know, quite an interesting thing. I remember reading an article, I think it was in some women's magazine you know sort of giving up alcohol wrecked my marriage so it was this women who had given up and used to do you know their whole social life was based around going to the pub with their mates and and drinking and then she decided to not drink anymore she started to do triathlons and stuff like that and very soon her and her husband had nothing in common you know he was still going to the pub he said she'd become really boring she was getting up early to train didn't want to sit sit around and so I guess in that way it sort of did, but I guess what's happening is I, I do remember going to a dinner party and I was really looking forward to it. I, I was driving, so I didn't drink anything. And, you know, I still had this slight thing of actually alcohol makes the evening more enjoyable. Mm. And by sort of 11, half 11, I began to think actually alcohol does make the evening more enjoyable because I'm feeling quite bored now. And then I realized it because... <laughs> The people I was talking to were actually quite boring. <laughs> I'm quite certain they were, you know. It, it they was, don't listen you to know, the podcast, no, eh? If you're listening to the podcast, it wasn't you. 
<laughs> it was okay. random people from a long apart. way away. Um, no, it, it was a long time ago. It was actually before I read the book. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it's actually you then realise that you want to spend more time with people that re-energise you and mm. that people you enjoy spending time with rather than people that you just are sort of in that social circle with you. So maybe it does wreck your social life in the fact that you choose your friends more carefully. Because I know there's a friend that I regularly meet up for dinner. It's a pub a few miles away, so we both drive. So we both sit there. I have soda and lime all night, and I have an absolute brilliant time. Yeah. And it, I never once during that meal think, I wish I was drinking alcohol yeah. at yeah. all, because yeah. I'm with someone who I really like. She's lovely, and it's, she's really interesting, and we have a, a nice time. So again, there's that myth that we have, yeah. that we need it for our social lives or to enjoy ourselves in an evening. Yeah. I went to a, uh, not, uh, it was about a month after I'd stopped drinking entirely and I had a meet up with mates. Like every year we meet up and we meet up at this little festival and it's a beer festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good for someone who doesn't drink. Yeah, in, uh, in Wallingford called Bunkfest. There's other stuff that goes on okay. and you know, there's music and stalls and stuff, yeah. but essentially it's a beer festival. And, um, yeah, was I worried? Do you know, I was curious. I was like, oh, I want, you know, I wonder how I'm mm. going to feel. I don't think I'm going to drink. Like, but I also, I thought, look, if I really do, if I really do want to drink, I'll have a drink. I like, I'm not, it's like, this isn't about having rules or anything. So I went there and, um, my word. Yeah, so there wasn't one single moment where I thought, I wish I was drinking. Not okay. one single moment. No, not one at all. It was quite weird, though. I do remember standing in the middle of a field at one point and just doing a sort of a slow 360 degree. It was really nice weather. Doing a slow 365 degree turn. And every single person I could see like, had a drink in their hand or was quite obviously drunk. Or, and it was like, wow, you know, this, this is what we do, isn't it? This is what we do. And we just don't, we just don't question it at all. We don't question yeah. it at all. So, but yeah, no, it, it wasn't like it, mm. it, it was a it, it was a weird weekend though because you know every all my mates were you know quite hammered and and you must have felt pretty smug when you woke up and like you were hey hi morning and they're like oh it's time to <laughs> yeah. get up yeah this yeah. turns really hot yeah. yeah I think this is it's really interesting I'm sure some people like you said some people listen to this podcast won't drink at all and they're like okay that's really interesting the way these people are thinking at all but some people will be thinking well I don't want to give up drinking you know I'm perfectly happy and it's really and she talks about this in the book that so whenever I was reading this book I would get some really defensive reactions from people so it's like I'd say what are you reading I say when I'm reading this book and if they didn't drink they'd go oh that's interesting what's about and I'd tell them and they'd go oh yeah that's interesting if they did drink, you know, not even like massive amounts, they just drink even little bits. They'd go, oh, well, you know, I mean, I hardly drink anyway. And, you know, why do you, why do you, why? I mean, you don't have a problem. You're fine. And, you know, so me, but all you yeah. did was said, I'm reading this book about alcohol. Yeah. And actually, my husband, when we, <laughs> well, I'm telling tales on him. He doesn't listen to the podcast. We're okay. <laughs> we went to see some really good friends of ours when we got back from holiday. And I, I said, well, I'll drive. It's fine. It doesn't matter, you know, because actually massively since you know i 
I still have a glass of wine because I do like wine, but I now really stop quite, you know, I, I probably just have one as opposed to two. And it's really helped because I'm feeling really bright over the weekends and all that sort of stuff. But he walked in and I was, I had to go and park the car and he walked in and he went, Rachel, stop drinking. <laughs> like it was this dreadful thing. Like, not that I ever drank very much, you know, yeah. not that I do. It was just, it was such a, an odd thing to go and not have a glass of wine. He thought he had to sort of pre-warn them. <laughs> and then they're like, tell us about it, Rachel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no, really, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. All I'm yeah. doing is trying to, yeah, this sort of, trying to bust these myths that it does anything for me or I have to relax or it helps in any way and I think the only thing it does like you said it it switches off your thinking for a bit but then is the benefit worth it it's got some side effects hasn't it I mean I I had the book for ages before I read it and the friend who'd recommended it to me every time she brought it up I would get a bit defensive and yeah Mm. I mean I was I felt yeah, I, I suppose I felt a little bit defensive, kind of like even starting the book. But it's it's so well written, and it welcomes you with such open arms that you know that it's not judgy or anything at all. But, but yeah, I have definitely noticed the reaction from people when you know I say, "Oh no, I just I don't drink anymore," you know, and they go, "Why not?" And I'm like, "I just I just, I just can't be bothered." And I don't care whether people drink or not. I honestly don't. You know, again, we're going to do what makes sense and it's fine. You know, behavior is a function of understanding. So we're always going to be doing what makes sense. So I've got no problem with people drinking whatsoever. So I just like say, oh, yeah, I just, I just can't be bothered anymore. And it's almost like <laughs> that's an invitation. Hang on a sec. <laughs> to give me all the all the reasons you should be bothered Giles it's very important to be bothered about it because people take it to judgment why they yeah yeah people take immediately if you say I'm cutting down or I'm not immediately they think they take it as a judgment on themselves yeah but there's something in that isn't there about alcohol you know about what it what it does Do, do you know anything else where you can just start having a conversation about it and it provokes such an extreme reaction in people yeah, because if you said, and she talks about this in the book, if you said to someone, I've given up cheese because I think it's a bit, I don't, it doesn't really agree with me. They'd go, oh yeah, but I mean, I, I only have a little bit of cheese. It's only, you know, I'm definitely not addicted to cheese, but it really makes me feel like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, even I'm giving up heroin, someone would go, oh, good for you, mate. <laughs> but I only have a little bit. You know, come on, you can just sniff it. It's fine. It's great. I think that's the way we've got so warped in our thinking about it. And that's why I really wanted to do this podcast because, you know, it's not easy. And I talked a lot about myself and you've talked about yourself yeah. and, you know, it's been quite exposing, but I guess we want to be vulnerable and we want to be really honest about where we are. And, you know, they're all, I looked at the birthday cards I got for my birthday. It was all around, Oh my God. Uh, or needs more gin or, you know, it's yeah. all about, yeah. you know, bring gin Absolutely. help, you know, what does it mean? You know? Everywhere. It was just, every card was about you know open some fizz it's your birthday or do do this and it's it's so pervasive and I think as doctors and other professionals in high stress jobs it's by far and away the biggest thing we use Mm. to self-soothe and to cope Mm. and we think that if we just drink in moderation which most of us do Mm. you know no more than seven to 14 units of alcohol a week we think that if we do that then it doesn't have a hold on us and it's not affecting our lives. I think in reality, it does. Mm. And so it's 
quite a big thing and I think just getting that message out there and I really like this because it will it, the, for the first time it, there was a message of hope here mm. that it's not about depriving yourself for the rest of your life if you give yeah. up drinking yeah so the enormous insight that I had when I was reading this book or kind of like it's not like it happened immediately and it's not like it was one of those things it's something that kind of like dawned on me as as it went by was that before I started the reading the book my biggest fear was that I didn't want to stop drinking because I I didn't want to deprive myself of being able to have a drink when I wanted to and the biggest insight I had was that I, it hadn't even occurred to me that a reality might exist where I just didn't want to drink. Mm. That had never entered into my head once in my life. I mean, I drank for 30 years. It was pretty much 30 years, you know, from whenever we started at school and stuff, you know. And I, never once in that time had it ever occurred to me that there might be a time when I didn't even want to drink. And so that was the biggest revelation for me. And for people listening to this, you know, a hand on my heart, I just you know, I want to tell you that that's possible, mm. that that's possible. Cause I didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know that was an option and it really is. Yeah. And it's not about willpower. It's, it's about telling yourself the truth and revealing what really is the truth yeah. of the situation. Yeah, I think bringing you closer back to reality. Yeah. I'm doing some work to rewire your thinking, rewire your brain. And I think for me, the, the missing piece that maybe still a bit outstanding there is, okay, so what else, what else can we do to reset ourselves? You know, and maybe actually I'm just thinking about it. I'm going to write a massive breakthrough list of amazing things I can do to help me relax. <laughs> but you know, I just don't do because we're not taking that self care to make sure that we can be in that state and then so we use alcohol as a shortcut to get there exactly, yeah. which then doesn't just doesn't do us any favors yeah. and again you know because we're amazing we're amazing animals is that if we if we slow down and we need to relax if we slow down enough and we listen to what we need it will come to us whether it's you know listening to a bit of music or going out for a walk or just sitting reading a book or throwing ourselves into cooking a meal or something you know what we need will come to us we've always got what we need to hand it's just we don't even go listening to it. i talked about the the soft flute of intuition in the orchestra didn't i last time and it's always there it never goes away um but we're just so identified with that all that left brain activity and looking for all these solutions outside of us and you know alcohol we've been taught because we've been taught haven't we this is the thing it's like we're schooled in it we've been taught that it's the answer and it's not wise words that's croft <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you oh, and i just pleasure i just want to say to you know any of our listeners who are recognizing that they do have a problem with alcohol please get some help please get some professional help you know this doesn't this is no substitute for getting professional help if you need it and there's you know all sorts of organizations including if you're a doctor their practitioner health program um if you're in another organization lots of people have employee assistance programs please go see your gp check out alcoholics anonymous all those different places please don't suffer alone 
and I guess that the first thing is actually recognizing that you need help in the first place. So, and we would just again recommend this book, This Naked Mind. We'll put the link in the show notes. And Giles, if people want to contact you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, just head over to my website, gilespcroft.com. I'll send you a link to the Facebook post I wrote, Abstainiversary. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm Giles P. Croft everywhere Facebook, Twitter. Great. And I'd love to get you back again soon on the podcast. Yeah, something else to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and stop recommending me books that are going to like completely <laughs> disrupt life. things. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, we'll see you soon. Lovely. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.